Welcome to episode 9 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Hey guys and welcome along to episode 9 of Iron Man Talk with... Uh, even James Isles and Coach John Newsom. How you going, mate? Good. A little bit wet. A little bit wet. We went for a ride and, uh, this morning and, yeah. I never listened to Bevan on a weather <laughs> forecast, so I ring him up and say, oh, should we ride later in the day? And, uh, and he I goes, said, harden up. Harden up. I said, it's a little cold out there. It's supposed to get better. And he goes, nah, we're going. And uh, so I came around. got soaked by the end of my street. Yeah. And now, now it's nice and sunny, clear blue sky. But... But it's not positive side, isn't it? You've got it done, Dustin. Yeah, that's true. In this week's show, we've got our results coming up from Brazil and Japan over last weekend. We're also just going to quickly touch on Baja 70.3 the week before. Uh, the results from the Tantalizer Triathlon, Tantalizer <laughs> Trifecta. Bring it on. And uh, also results from the, just a quick look at the World Duathlon Champs, Long Course Duathlon Champs. What's coming up next weekend? We've got uh, Ho- Honu. 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 Honu yeah. Half, which is uh, Hawaii. Plus, we've actually got, there's an Ironman exterior event, which oh, is full course. I, yeah, crazy. So we'll have a quick look at that. Craig Alexander joins uh, Try Dubai. Website of the week. We've got Age Grouper of the Week. The high five is on, what's it on this week, mate? Communicating with your coach. Oh, saying dear to my heart. There you go. <laughs> and uh, also Coach's Corner. Uh, we're just, it's going to be a very brief Coach's Corner this week, just touching on a couple of things we talked about the last two weeks. So it's kind of part three of planning your season and... Uh, just to go a little bit deeper into that. Yeah, because in the email, we've got quite a few good uh, email questions this week and we're going to cover, give it a bit of ground there. So we've also got some really good email questions. Yeah, finish off it. This week. So, uh, yeah. So first up, last weekend, we're going to have a look at the results from Brazil. Mm. and uh, Some good results there. Yeah, it was a fast race. Yeah, my, tri- my tantalizer got nearly got thwarted at the first hurdle with... Reynard Tissink not racing. He was my pick to win. I can actually remember my picks. Who did I pick? You had... I had Olaf you, and you had Bell. And Olaf Bell and Stephen Bayless. So you just missed out on actually getting the trifecta. Mm, I don't know mm. if you had the order correct, but uh, you just missed Oscar Galindez. Uh, no, I think large. I think I had Olaf as first. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, close but no cigar. But um, yeah, fantastic racing in the guys. They're very quick times. Oscar Galindez um, first. He's from uh, Argentina. Always races well. I think he's got second the last few years in a row, and um, Olaf has, uh, has won the race, but Oscar Galindez has won before. So, uh, interesting. Pretty solid time all round, really. Yeah, pretty consistent, really. Yeah, he's a little bit slower in the swim. Um, I think I did mention he's uh, a former World Duathlon champion from many oh. years ago, so very strong biker and, and runner. But Still that, pretty not bad, 49. Yeah, 49, not too terrible. bad. Um, but he's, he was four minutes down after the swim, ripped the bike with a 4.32, so that's averaging 40k an hour, basically. Yeah. Those two front guys really did um, rip the race to shreds on the bike. Both of them rode 4.30s, and uh, and then it was very close. I mean, Oscar apparently uh, ran Luke Bell da- down and um, passed him, and then Luke Bell came back at him um, and ended up only being a 30-second gap, yeah, so pretty exciting. close stuff. Uh, both did 8.15. You know, that's a fast time. doesn't mm-hmm. matter how easy mm-hmm. the course is. So it looked like a pretty quick bike. Also, and, you mentioned uh, this morning about how they were really big on the gap in drafting. They were saying, "Yeah, I had an email from Gordon. He was saying that that they they were having a ten meter gap there. I think from back wheel to front wheel. So mm. that's a big gap. Yeah, um, yeah. and it would be great to see that. You know what we talked about last week. If they had that all around the world, um, I think at ten meters, the actual distance between back wheel and front wheel. That's a, the, the drafting at that distance is is it's pretty minimal. M- is minimal." So that was good to see they're doing there, and um, we were both pretty happy to see Stephen Bayliss up there in fourth place. Yeah, I think that's yeah. probably his best result. Um, he was 10 minutes off the podium. Those front few guys um, were pretty pretty clear out in front, but Stephen had a great race there, 4.47 on the bike, and uh, didn't quite crack three hours. Um, I, I heard that uh, Gordo got within about 15 seconds of him, and then Stephen took off at the end. Um, <laughs> <And their> motivation. <laughs> that motivation. Gordo behind letting, me, go. Not letting that hoax <laughs> come back beat me. So he ended up with uh, 8.35, and then good old Gordo was uh, next in, 8.36. Pretty bloody impressive run there by Gordo. Had the fastest run split of the day. Um, I don't think he'd be that th- thrilled with his bike time, 4.56. But uh, to run a 2.51 off the bike was uh, pretty impressive. Uh, no doubt it was pretty warm over there. Um, so good comeback from him. I wasn't yeah, far out, yeah, especially just coming back and doing like a, mm. 
836 is not too mm. shabby, is it? I was thinking he was more going to be sort of 840 to 850 shape. Um, so he's only really nine minutes off his best, all-time all best, and he's, he's definitely not training as much as what he was. So, yeah, that was a top five. And uh, there were a few people that didn't show at the start. So we had Reynard Tissink didn't start. I don't even know if he was there. And also uh, Teorborn Cinderbal, he, um, he's the guy who set the bike course record at, at Hawaii last year, and he didn't race either. So... Um, what was initially last week a really stacked profile mm, end up yeah, disintegrating a little bit. Mm. Um, but, you know, top all top 10 guys all went under. So what does that happen? Do just guys decide, hey, I'm not going to do this race and I've entered it? And yeah, well, they'll enter early. I mean, um, most of those guys have already raced once. Um, and so you, you know, just enter. Race organisers are pretty happy to get big names down so there. So does, does like a top guy pay? Not generally, I wouldn't think. Um, yeah. those, those The calibre of those guys that are sort of top 10 in the world, yeah. um, I'd be surprised if they were made to, to yeah, pay their entry fee. Yeah. Um, they are a draw card. So, yeah, some pretty good results. Yeah, eight, I think 8.52 in 10th place. So, um, mm. you know, yeah, it's pretty that's good. a pretty good standard. Some good South Americans there coming through. Um, and on the girls' side of things, Elizabeth Christensen um, cleaned them all out. A strong race. Yeah, very strong bike. I mean, 4.58. Um, I was reading on, on Ironman.com that she was uh, cramping quite a bit on the run, so she only ran a 3.30, but 9 hours 20. Mm. Do you think you would have taken her down, Bev? Yeah, we've got to make it easy. <laughs> so that was a pretty impressive time. <laughs> 8 hours 20. And there was, there was some pretty good racing for the, the rest of the girls. Um, there was a girl that was running her down. Where is he? She, Barbara. Yeah, it's not too clear on here. Barbara. Mm. Say that one. Benahora, uh, Benahora from Argentina. Benahora. So she was running her down. She did nine twenty nine, ran a three fourteen. So she was getting closer and closer. So that was uh, space. And then the, the next few um, we're familiar with Hilary Biscay. It was pretty close between her, Bella, and uh, Monica. Mm. Um, I'd say Bella might. I mean, it was it was an okay race for Bella. She finished um, fourth place. But I mean, three thirty-two for her. I don't think she'd be wrapped with that time. Yeah, she's running to real strength, isn't it? Yeah, she's a really good runner. She's run close to three hours before. Um, so while you know fifth place is good, bit of mm. a paycheck, I mm. think she would have been probably hoping for a little bit more on that run. Mm. Um, and poor old Monica got pipped on the line by the Brazilian, mm. um, and she just got pipped out of uh, fifth place Keller? by Fernanda Keller. Mm. So she was. Uh, I think Fernanda Keller was looking to qualify for Hawaii, um, and I'm not sure if she got she would have had to wait for a roll down slot. I think so. Well, it was pretty close. It was only like 15 seconds in it, so it was, yeah. I know we we were both watching Ironman.com, and they actually reported Monica coming yeah, in fifth. Yeah, um, so they must have just missed that one. Mm, so, so some good results there yeah, for, uh, for um, the guys that came on Epic Camp and were training down in Christchurch. Um, great to see there some fourth and fifth place finishes. We also had Japan on last weekend, mm. and uh, I actually picked the winner. You did. Well done. <laughs> it ended up being a close race. Uh, he actually smashed them yeah, on the bike. He smashed them on the bike, didn't he? Um, but that seems to be how he races. He, like, I've looked at his profile of his history, and he seems to always do a strong bike, Yeah. and kind of seems to fade in a run, and often gets caught. I know in his last race, he had a big lead off the bike, Yeah. and uh, the heat really affected him. I can't remember which actual race it was, but the heat affected him, and the guy who just got him in the end couldn't yeah. hold him off. So Petra Vibrusic, um, I think I read that he ran a 2.45, um, wow. so that's pretty fast, and he got you know, he got within a minute of the guy, so that was bloody impressive. Um, my pick for winning Bjorn Hun Park was in third place. He's always been a pretty consistent performer. Um, so yeah, it was 2.45. Yeah. 2.45, that's a, that's a good run. Yeah. That, you know, that's a really strong run. Um, yeah, not overall, not especially quick times 843 um if he ran a 245 um i think the swim times are all slow but it must have been a pretty i understand it was pretty windy on the bike mm. um so yeah not that if you know only three guys in under nine hours. but so the, actually i mean life was a little bit kind of kind of average last weekend because they weren't, weren't very clear on the bike splits as it was going along yeah they basically you kind of it was hard to keep up to date with what was happening yeah they, they looked with brazil especially they were trying a new format which um yeah Oh, it was all right. Um, yeah. It's one of those things when you're used to something, you, you, yeah. you have a bit of change. There's always a bit of resistance to that. Mm. Um, and on the girls' side of things, uh, I think it? I picked somebody else to win that race. Um, no, Joanna Zyger, she was another no-show in Brazil. Yep. Um, had a few. That's not too much of a surprise there. Um, I think she did have to make a bit of a comeback there. Sarah Fien was apparently first off the bike. Uh, and that surprises me that Heather Fewer came to her because Sarah Fien, she was a girl that I saw running in... Um, Tapo and she had the fastest run split there and she was absolutely motoring. Oh, she must have blown up because she's hit a 335. Yeah, so. And, uh, Heather hit a 308. So that's a good run time. Yeah. Um, God, some of those girls can run. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, 
So Seraphine's an Aussie, second place, 10.04. And Angela Moon was third in 10.10. And then Paula Newby Fraser making a bit of a comeback of sorts. So you were pretty impressed with that? Yeah, well, I'm not sure if I'm impressed or not impressed. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like it's impressive, you know. She's 43, I think, her age is. And that, you know, like to be able to pull off the top four in any Ironman at that age is pretty legendary. And I know she is a great, you know, athlete for our sport. But is it more that... There's not much coming through? I think a bit of both. I mean, who, who knows how much training she's doing. I think if she was in uh, hardcore shape, she'd probably be a bit quicker than that. But yeah. um, maybe she just wants to get back into it and just sort of have a bit of fun and go out there and do it. And yeah. you know, Maybe a bit like Scott. Um, he just loves to get out there and train and, yeah. and compete. Um, it's not like her effort, like fantastic. It's more yeah. just that should someone of that age still be able to get a top five in an Ironman? Yeah. Um, you know, like in the man's game, do you think that would be able to happen? Not, not. Not particularly regularly. The female loving me right now, but you know what I mean. Like, I think it's a question that needs to be asked. You yeah, know? and if not, why aren't we seeing more young girls coming through into sport? And it's something I think we'll probably cover later in the show. We're, we're, one of the things we're going to talk to about today is um, what it means to be a pro athlete. Mm, and mm. Uh, and the reality is, to be a pro Ironman athlete, which we'll talk about, is, is a very difficult way to make money. And it's yeah. um, you know, you win three Ironman races in a year and you're still not making much money. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. I and think it's pretty hard to win, isn't it? If you look at short course racing these days, um, the women's side of things is very, very strong. It's, it's not quite as competitive as the men's, mm. um, but it's definitely getting closer to being on par. And some of those girls are, are very, very talented and there's a lot more depth than what there used to be. So, so the sport as a whole is drawing lots of females. It just it doesn't is. seem to transition to Ironman. Yeah. Um, mm. So we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. But it is a very hard way to make a living and I think that's probably um, why we're not seeing a big uh, large amount of people and unless the prize money changes I don't think it, it will change massively hmm. and uh, then maybe uh, Japan as you were saying last week is quite a hard race it is expensive and, it's, and yeah. you know, so it's not going to draw a really so. poor athlete so we apologise if we've pissed anything yeah. out of the <laughs> <laughs> It's fault. No, we love you. We, we love you. Um, we also, we're just going to quickly touch on Baja from last weekend. We kind of didn't get, couldn't find the results last week, so we kind of just thought we'd leave it. But yeah. uh, just, just really quickly, we had uh, Australian Chris Lee, is it? Chris Lee, yeah. yeah. Chris Lee took it out. He uh, yeah, apparently yeah. came, uh, t- apparently Terenzo Bazzoni was leading the race and um, it blew up a bit on the run, didn't quite get his nutrition right yep. and uh, got passed, but still, it's a, a pretty reasonable field there and, um, you know, for him to blow up and still get second and go into four hours, um, I was reading else, he's actually come home now, uh, he's back in New Zealand and then later in the year he's off to try and um, qualify for world champs and do some short course racing. Okay. So, um, you know, it was a good field, you had Michael Lovato, Brian, Brian Rhodes, Jamie Cleveland, guys like that in the top ten, so... Um, Mm. Pretty strong stuff, and Miranda Carfrey winning the girls from Desiree Flicker. Aussies took it out. Yeah, plenty of Aussies there. You know, I like them all. Mm. First in the girls, fourth, Kate Major, fifth. In it fifth. Kate Major, that's a bit yeah, of a surprise. Yeah. I mean, she's a legend over Iron Man, um, but she got well and truly beaten there 15 minutes. So, Sean Welsh was there as well. Um, yeah, so. Mm. Mm. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is my part of the show the triathlon tantalizer. I've got some questions about this. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, miraculously, my scoring system seems to work in my favour. Yeah, I, 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 I think we need to discuss the story scoring system. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was actually a little worried. I was seeing those results flicker in over the weekend. I was going. Oh man, Bevan's going to absolutely cane me here, but uh, when I actually went to add up the points, somehow I'll come out on top in my, yeah. in my competition. <laughs> if you pick the winner, if you pick the winner, you get one point, which is like the, the best thing you can do. And then the, if you, the winner's usually pretty obvious. No, it's not. I mean, if Cameron Brown, if you're racing in New Zealand and you pick Cameron Brown, yeah, I mean. Yeah, but you still should be rewarded. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, so anyway, let's go over it. So let's, I wasn't happy. I'll, I'll just refi- uh, go over those points, how the scoring works. If you pick the winner, you get one point. One point. <laughs> if you pick two, of the top three in any order you get another two points and if you pick the top three in order you get five points and there's double points for hawaii so what we did uh for japan i managed to get two points because, because i had um second and third i had uh vibrusik i picked him and uh bjorn hun park i picked him as well yeah, but, so that, yeah. that could be in any order so i got yeah. two points there and Bevan got the measly little one point for picking the winner. Picking the winner? I get one point. <laughs> God, I think this it. needs to be discussed. Okay, we'll discuss it. We'll just finish off here first. Okay, sorry. Settle down. Settle I down. wasn't happy. Um, and then in Brazil, again, I, I shellacked Bevan. Uh, oh, you did not. We both did the same. Uh, my, my guy didn't even start my winner, and, uh, and I still managed to pick up two points because... Uh, who did I have there? I had uh, Reynard who didn't start, and then I had Oscar Galindez in second and Luke Bell in third. Um, they ended up finishing first and second, so I got two points. And what did I get? 
And you had... I had Bell. You had Luke Bell, and that was it. Oh. I so, I had two in Brazil. Oh, maybe I did a misprint here. Yeah. So maybe even further behind than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, unfortunately, Stephen Bayless didn't come through for you. Now, you had Olaf there, and he got third. Um, so, you had Olaf and, third, um, and Bell, so you had two of the top three. Yeah, and I get so one you point. Got, no, you get two points. Yeah, they give me one. Oh, okay. So, it's a, it's a misprint. <laughs> not quite as far behind as I thought. Um, yeah. Okay, so that means I was that an angry man. I'm on, I'm sitting on five points after two race, uh, three races, and Bevan is now three points. So he's a massive two points behind. Yeah. So right, what, what do you want? To, what do you want to do with this score? Well, I think it should be now. Let's if you if you agree, well, let's just put yes. this out to the listeners. Yeah. I think that it should be if you pick the winner, you get lots of points, and then if you get two of the three of any, you get a little bit out of the points. Okay. And then if you get all three, maybe you get lots of points as well. Why don't we have three points for picking you're, the winner? Because you're rewarding mediocrity. <laughs> Why don't we have three points for uh, picking the winner? Yeah. And then keep the rest the same. So you get two points if you pick the top three in any order, and then you get another five points. So if you manage to get all, all three, three yeah, you, you would get gold. five yeah. plus three plus yeah. two. Yeah. Uh, so that's ten points. Okay, I'm happy with that. Okay, you're happy with that? Yeah. We'll uh, we'll refine that. Yeah. Uh, what's the next race will be? Uh, Not for a few weeks I think probably Coeur d'Alene, um, which is about three, three or four weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's about it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. We, I, one thing I just did want to quickly mention um, was the World Long Course uh, Duathlon Champs. I just, uh, really because the guy who won is an absolute legend, Benny Van Stalent from Belgium. I don't know how many times he's won this race. Um, what's, the actual, what's the actual distances? They, they do a 15K run. Yep. And then, uh, so they, they knocked 15Ks out in 50 minutes 02. He was first off the uh, first run. And then he did uh, it's a 90k bike, and he rode 214. Again, he had the fastest bike, and then he uh, was able to cruise the second run because he was so far in front. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't know how many times he wins a short course, long course, very versatile. And I wonder what would happen if he could swim because he's an absolute legend. And uh, interestingly, his uh, brother actually finished in third place. Uh, so Belgians took first, second, third, and fourth. fourth place. Uh, it's a very strong. Uh, you Belgian. No, you can't. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a land. Is Belgium landlocked? I think Belgium might be landlocked. Pretty cold place, old Belgium. It rains a lot there. But yeah. like, um, so I just thought I'd bring that up because he is a machine. Unfortunately, our local guy Mark Bailey uh, must have had bike problems because he didn't finish. But he was sitting in third, third place after the run. So a real shame because I think he's got the talent to be on the podium at World Champs. So yeah. we just sort of wanted to bring that up and well done to Benny Van Stelen if you're listening to Iron Man talk. Of course he will be. <laughs> So coming up next weekend, we've got um, the Kona Hona? Honu Half. Um, so yeah, I looked at the results from last year. I remember um, it wasn't exactly a stacked pro field, so, and I don't think it is again this year. Yep. I think actually Michaeli Jones finished second overall. Oh, okay. Um, wow, that's going to say something. So, uh, no, did, no but, disrespect to her, but mm-hmm. um, usually, you know, pro elite guys would be beating beating her. Yeah, normally the, a really good chick would get like in the top 20, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, when I looked had a quick look at the the pro field, Chris McCormick's down to race, um, so I no doubt he'll uh, take that out pretty comfortably. Kelly yep. um, Jones will be up there, and there wasn't many other pro guys racing. What uh, is it? I don't think there's any pro slots for Hawaii qualifying, so oh, I think it's okay. age group slots only. And okay. uh, I I couldn't find on there the prize money, so whether there's much prize money, that's okay. what usually draws the athletes. Yep. So, I just wanted to touch on a little bit about the actual slots, how it works in this race. Yeah, so. Um, we're going to talk about some slots later on, but on in this race they've got uh, 30 international slots, 20 Hawaii state slots, yep. and 35 Big Island slots, mm-hmm. um, which I kind of think is quite good because I think you've got to have that the local people behind the race. Yeah. And I think if they didn't have anybody in Kona um, from Kona racing, the mm-hmm. community probably wouldn't get it behind it quite as much. So um, while we harp on a bit about there being too many easy slots, yep. I think this is probably one case. Um, where I perhaps agree with what uh, WTC are doing. Mm, I like the way they do that. And like I know in Taupo, they make a big thing out of the Taupo competitors every year and they have an award for the top, which Brian Rotem's always taken out, yeah. <laughs> um, the top Taupo competitor. And, you know, I think that bringing the local community and that's a way of bringing it into the whole. I think event. it's vital. Um, yeah, yeah. Especially for Hawaii because they probably don't. That, uh, Hawaii Ironman, everybody goes, oh, it's a world championships and so on and so on. Yeah. But it's actually their, their Ironman. Like mm, for Americans, mm. um, you go off and you do Wisconsin or whatever. Or, and, New Zealanders, it should be our right to be able to go and race New Zealand, mm, I mm. feel. Um, 
and so they if they wanted to race otherwise they'd have to go across to the states um, yeah. to do a race so i think that's good so well done to wtc we, we like what you're doing on that one yeah um we, we were talking today on the bike saying uh, we're sometimes a bit too critical <laughs> so i wish you give them some praise yeah so so we'll, we'll give them a little bit of praise <laughs> also we've got coming up this weekend um an X try Xterra. Xterra. Well, no, it's not actually. I don't think it is actually Xterra. Well, it's called Iron Terra. Xterra format. Yeah, and it's it's a full Ironman distance. So they're doing a three point eight k swim, a hundred eighty k mountain bike, <laughs> and a forty two k trail run. Now we can't quite figure. Out, oh no, we did figure out where it was. It's somewhere in Spain. Yeah, somewhere in Spain, and. uh Whoa. <laughs> that, that's, I mean, that's going to take a long time. I mean, obviously, the swim's the same deal, but 180Ks on a mountain bike, crikey. Um, yeah, that, that's a an long awful time. Lot. And it's hard on your body. Yeah, I mean, it may just be a pretty flat, easy sort of trail ride, but still, I mean, that is still you're not going to be able to no. average more than 30K an hour or something for no. the top guys. Uh, and then a 42K trail run. Again, if it's flat, I guess it's probably not that big a deal, but if they make it real hardcore, I mean, I would be expecting the winners not to break 10 hours. Um, no, yeah, they'd be struggling, people, wouldn't they? They'll be out there for an awful long time. We're interested to see what kind of field they get. Yeah. Mm. Actually, um, if anyone knows of anyone doing it, you know, you flick us an email. And what's what's it called? It's called the uh, Fourth Raid Triathlo dot com. Um, yeah. It's called the, the, the oh yes, the Fourth RXT Iron Terror. Uh, so yeah, we, we'd be here, keen to hear about people who might be doing that or know people who are <laughs> on doing their website. It. They've got the world's first off-road triathlon, Iron Triathlon since. 2003. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's a, a lot of it's in uh, Spanish, so yeah. we're kind of struggling to find our way through the site. But uh, we'll have a look and see if we can get some results yeah, up next week. Yeah, be really cool. Yeah, it'd be interesting just to find out the times and stuff. Mm. Um, what else is in the news? There's Craig? quite a few. It was quite a few half Ironmans coming up this week. Um, if you one of the calendars I find probably the best to use is uh, on xtry.com, and they have uh, you can sort of search by month. And we had a, a quick look on there. Awful lot of half Ironmans all around the world. Yeah, you got Juice Man and you got another one. Yeah. <laughs> Some uh, in Italy. The Moose Man half Ironman in uh, Bristol in uh, USA. Oliver half Ironman. Georgia Rock and the, the Roll. The Bala Middle Distance Triathlon, that's over in uh, England. That's one I've done. That was where I sort of made my first comeback <laughs> of, of sorts. Uh, nice race up in, in uh, North Wales. Uh, Weymouth Middle Distance Triathlon. Again, that's another big one over in, uh, in England. Uh, Vienna Man and Austria, the Eisen Man, and that's one of the things that's starting to come up quite a bit is everybody's calling their races something man. Yeah, like yeah. because they can't call it Iron Man or Half Iron Man or whatever, um, they often use the name of the place. So maybe yeah. maybe we could have a Christchurch Man. Yeah, <laughs> Christchurch Man, Chicha Man. <laughs> And uh, so there's plenty of halves. So we'll have a bit of a scan through them and uh, and get back to you guys next week with some results. And uh, yeah, lots going on all around the world. Yeah, and we don't actually have an Ironman race up until... Wait a second, we'll just open up a page here. I think the next one will be... Uh, Germany. No, oh, that's but an Iron Distance race, distance race, not an official Ironman. Oh, yeah, the next one will be Coeur d'Alene, which is the 25th. Uh, I think Simon Lessing's racing there. I think he won it either last year or the year before. And France is on the same day. France is on the same day. Mm, um, and it's not until the 25th of June. Mm. So, yeah, there's a big gap in between races. Mm. Do you think they try to coordinate themselves, or is that just who's organising it? Uh, not really. I mean, I think by continent they do. Um, mm. It'd be nice, you know, because we've had like two races this weekend and then we know like another three weeks for another two races. Yeah. It'd be nice for there to be like a consistent... So we've got something to yeah, talk about. Every why, why, why can't... Let's, let's slag off WTC. Let's, can you please organise your race schedule so around our schedule? So we can schedule. work out this show. <laughs> no, I think that they've got... Most races are pretty much the same date each year and... Uh, and the reality is most people will probably only do one race a year or either yeah. one or two. So, and they're basically um, around where they live, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what the, else in the ne- news this week? Next one we had, um, I thought we quickly mentioned Craig Alexander joining up with Try Dubai. Now, Craig um, Alexander is not really an Ironman. He's more of a half kind of guy. Yeah, Craig um, is actually a guy I used to share a flat with in France. Um, he used to race in the same team as me over in a place called Mulhouse or Mulhouse if you're from Germany. Um, and he's, uh, yeah... Funny, funny guy. Well, never short of a word. Um, but he, he's been absolutely dominant over the last few years over the sort of the, the prestige races in the States, things like Escape from Alcatraz. Yep. Um, he won the LA Fitness Triathlon, the one where you win like $250,000. Yeah, yeah. Winner takes all, wasn't it? Uh, not winner takes all. Winner takes away an awfully big prize yeah, check. Yeah, wow, that'd be nice. Uh, and he's just been winning all the big races over there, Chicago, things like that. And he's also been very, very strong over the half Ironman. So he won... We St- just beat Cam a few weeks ago, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, he won St. Croix. 
Um, so I think that's a pretty good um, signing for, for Tribe Dubai. So now for a lot of people out there, what is Tribe Dubai? And, and it's basically a collection. Uh, so it's a pro team, a collection of basically the very, very best of the best athletes in the world. Um, and they're basically a racing team promoting Dubai. Uh, yeah. So it's got, they come like in on... tourism. A, yeah, tourism yeah. in Dubai. They, they come in on a couple of different angles. So one is um, they're trying to promote Dubai. Yep. Uh, get more tourists there, I presume. Uh, and they're doing an awful lot of advertising in Dubai. And you also think about Emirates Airlines, the yeah. amount of advertising they're doing. Mm. In, in New Zealand, they sponsor our America's T Cup team, which yep. is a huge contract. Big and money. Uh, they sponsor Chelsea football team in England, yep. which is, uh, again, big, again money. big, big money. And obviously, this is something slightly different. So those guys over there, it's all run by petrol and, uh, and oil. Mm. And they've just got, you know, a million bucks to them is, is not a lot. No. And so they're probably just throwing a million or something at this Try Dubai team uh and they've got a collection cameron brown peter reed norman stadler lisa bentley yeah, really good team the game, the eh? big big names and uh they'd have to be paying pretty big money to get their, them all on board one of the other things that they also do as part of that team is a lot of them have got charities they're trying to promote so they're also trying to oh, okay. to do that as well because cameron brown in new zealand is very much uh, the spokesperson for cystic fibrosis yep. um which also has a big kind of um Mobile Nation with Ironman New Zealand, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, when they're racing, when you yeah. fundraise, yeah. Um, so a lot of these athletes have got their certain charities, and uh, and so they're, they're also trying to promote those as well, which is which is a good thing. Yeah. But I think at the bottom, the the bottom line is uh, they're paying them a, a good amount of money to to be on the team. It's uh, nice for the athletes as well to be able to have an income that's not so much based on a prize money. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Like I know these guys who are in and try to do by probably make pretty good money anyway because it's yeah. the top of the top. But you know, like, the thing is for our sport. Like if you're a gridiron player or a basketball player, you know, you'd be pretty average and make a lot of money. Yeah. Whereas in our sport, you know, like I like to think guys like the Cameron Browns and Peter Reeds of the world can actually come out of their end of their career set up for life. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the world's best athletes. We look at them and they're, and they're earning pretty good money, but uh, in the scheme of things, yeah. to be at the top of the sport uh, and other sports to be making, that's like yeah. entry level money. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. Um, so good on the, these guys for um, getting this team up and running and uh, hopefully it can filter down and we can get more of these things happening. There's also another team, uh, the Timex team, um, which I know like Stephen Bayless is part of. Yep. It's, it's, it's definitely nowhere near the same sort of money I would imagine that these guys are on, but it's uh, are there many teams? similar sort of concept. There's not a lot. There's a few little bits and pieces teams and some, <laughs> some teams you get sort of product, yeah. um, but where you actually get significant money, I don't think there's that many of them around. Is it a concept that they've tried to push forward, like team racing? Uh, not really. Uh, there certainly was short course stuff a few years ago. They used to have an event in, uh, in France called the Iron Tour. Yep. You basically, it was, it was based around... Uh, the Tour de France, and you basically do seven triathlons in a, in a row, uh, oh, one yeah. a day, or sort of, and wow. it'd be different formats. And then it was very much team <laughs> things. You had team time trials, and you'd you'd have your domestiques, making sure looking after people like Simon Lesson. Yeah. It was really interesting. It has sort of petered out a little bit. Did it work? Uh, it was good for a few years. It kind yeah. of lost its momentum. Um, you are starting to see some team racing in the short course stuff at, at ITU level. Um, you know, someone like Ivan Rana, who's one of the best runners, he's actually got a couple of. Uh, sort of domestiques in the Spanish team who, who look after him on the bike and make yeah. sure he's in the right position. So it is starting to come in. Um, I don't think it'll really come into Ironman. I think you'll still get collections um, yeah. for sponsors to, to give them sort of uh, momentum, um, but I don't think you'll ever get people helping each other out on the bike and stuff. Mm, mm. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Crowey's joining up with them, so uh, hopefully he does well. We've got a link to uh, Triathlete Mag, so uh, check it out. It's been in the show notes. Okay, then we've got our age grouper of the week. And uh, this week we had a lady called, from I'm in Japan, a lady called Penny Kirkwood. Now, Penny Kirkwood um, did an overall time of 12.08.49. And we've, we've got, they haven't got the bike times up on the website. So we figured out she did about a 6.20 bike and a 3.48 run, which is pretty good. But she did an hour 40 swim and she came in to actually win her age group from yeah. behind. So I kind of like that. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, gives you hope. Gives me hope. <laughs> wow, yeah, but I don't want to do like an hour 40. <laughs> so she, uh, yeah, so what, what age group did she win? 30, 30, 35 30, to 40, no, no, 39. 30, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. I wonder where she's from. Doesn't sound very Japanese sort of name. No. Um, so she probably uh, probably picked herself up a slot there for Hawaii, I would she's imagine. She's a New Zealander. Look at that. Oh, nice one. Oh, beautiful. Was that planned? No, it wasn't, but I'll claim it. It's walking, though. <laughs> Uh, it's got a bit of a thing about Aucklanders. We live, we're, we're in the deep south <laughs> in Christchurch, and uh, Auckland's sort of different, different, <laughs> different country almost. Everybody lives up there, and she came out of the water at six hundred and 
46 overall. Yeah. So, yeah, and ended up finishing at 219. So that was a pretty good effort. Passed a lot of people on the on the course. Yeah. Well done. So what well on Penny Kirkwick. You are our age, age grouper of the week. week. <laughs> and uh, next up, we've got our one, two, three, four, high, high five. five. We've oh, high pitched here, mate. Got in there this week. So this is something that's dear to my heart because uh, obviously I do um, plenty of coaching. Um, and so I really just wanted to go through five things that are important to communicate with your coach. So if any of my athletes are out there listening, make sure you listen up. Um, but also, uh, obviously there's plenty of you guys that have got other other coaches around the world. Um, and so I just go through a few things that are, you know, things that are, I really, really try to emphasize and make sure my athletes uh, do with me. So the first one is uh, honesty. It's something you've talked about before is uh, not, yeah. not sort of lying in your, your yeah. logbook. Yeah. Um, but if you're telling your coach one thing and you're doing the other one, you, you, if you're paying your coach, you, you're wasting your money um, because your coach probably won't be sending you the right program based on what you've done. And uh, it's not really going to help your overall development. So, so be honest. Uh, keep the communication lines open with your coach and uh, that way you'll get the best results. And all things too, you know, not just your training, you know, like nutrition and yeah. you know, everything you're doing, that the more information the coach has that is honest, yeah. uh, and if you've the got, better job they can do for you. If you've got problems in your relationship or something like that, yeah. you'd be surprised how much of a... Uh, how much counsellor that, counselor counselor, that goes on your how, performance what's happening counselor John <laughs> but uh, it, it really does I mean I know when I've had my best performances it's when I've been stress in a happy free. place mm. stress free mm. things are cool with my, my partner and stuff and uh, and so that does mean a lot so make sure you let your coach know if you've got any sort of major dramas happening um, the other thing is uh, if unsure about anything ask um, That's uh, if you are paying a coach that's what you're paying for if you yeah. don't understand something in the program um, if you're concerned about something most coaches that are that are out there that are calling themselves coaches are usually giving people a program and specific things for a specific reason so if you don't understand why you're doing a a hard six hour ride or, or five times 20 minutes hard to very hard yeah. um, do ask the question and the coach should be able to come up with a reason for, for most sessions why you're doing them and what sort of benefit you're getting from them and also don't be afraid of asking what you think may be stupid questions um, mm. like in any position where someone has more knowledge than you you're going to ask questions which they will have a lot more information on so you could be perceived as being stupid but it's more important that you get the information and that you understand what the whole point of it is and so that if you are unsure and maybe if you asked once and you still don't get it you know just be yeah. persistent with it you know it's more important that you actually get the message than feel silly and not get it yeah totally yeah. um the other thing i've got down here number three is keep a training log and uh send and discuss with your coach some coaches have different sort of training plans you can join up with them i mean i only have sort of one plan that i, that I let people join up with it's all or nothing other coaches have sort of like gold silver bronze so that's going to dictate how much communication you've got with your coach Regardless of what sort of plan can you're I, on, can I ask why you've gone just with one? Because you believe it's important. Um, I just think you send mixed messages to people. I think uh, I, I tend to work with a small number of people and yep. and try to do the best job I can. Yep. If I find if I'm working with say more than fifteen athletes at a time, that's pretty much sort of my upper limit. Yep. Um, I'll just won't have a clue where anybody is. I won't be able to keep track of their racing, yep. uh, and they're not already getting a quality service. So, um, you know, I, I tend to just have one rate where I charge. A set amount and they yep. get sort of more or less open access to me rather than saying just to people writing oh, the program and leaving them alone for yeah i mean i'd rather say if you've got a question ask me um whereas some programs maybe you're allowed to have one email per week yeah, or one phone hour. call per yeah. month i say to people look this is generally how we sort of communicate um but if anything comes up in between then you know we can talk i'll yeah. give you a call um yeah. that's true because i know when i've yeah you know, and i've that, always that, asked you many questions <laughs> that seems to work well um where was I? So yeah, so so regardless of what sort of setup you've got with your coach, keep a training log. Um, and if it is a case where you have only got maybe one email contact a month or one conversation, make sure they receive your training log, and so they can look at what you've done relative to what the schedule is. Uh, and you obviously want to give that before beforehand to them. Um, and it'll help you further down the track when you look back at what sort of training, how training's gone for that race and so on. And it'll also help the coach to actually set you a realistic program. So if they've set you to do 20 hours a week for three weeks in a row and you've only managed to be able to do 12 or something like that because of whatever reason, whether you've had too much work, family yep. things, then it's going to mean the coach next time around can set you a more realistic program. Mm. So that's, that's a big thing and that's one of the main things I work with my athletes. <coughs> they have to send me their training log every week. Um, one thing that I always find amusing is making sure you let your coach know as soon as you have an injury or a problem. Yeah. Um, don't let it drag on. So you have a problem on Monday. Maybe you've 
had a really sore calf and just keep training through, and then you ring your coach at the weekend and say, oh, yeah, I haven't done much this week because I've had a really sore calf. And you go, well, why didn't you tell me that earlier in the week? Yeah. Uh, so so letting coaches know about injuries is, is early is vital, um, and that's a good thing about triathlon. If you've got an injury that is going to affect your running, um, then you can, we, the coach can alter the program so you've got more swimming or biking or, or whatever. So, I mean, I had a guy last week who hurt his um, big toe in a race. He banged it on the way out, and so we just altered the program. So this week is much more of a yep. swimming and biking focus rather than running. I think with that as well, it kind of goes back to honesty as well. I know through teaching fitness, I've been teaching fitness for like seven years now, and I've only really had a shoulder, had a shoulder operation not so long ago. But other than that, I've never had time off through injury, and I've been you know, pretty much smashed my body every week. And I, <laughs> I believe that it really injury comes down to being honest to yourself as well and that don't deny it you know like if, if you've got something that's feeling up actually do something about it and you yeah. know talk to your coach because he's the type of person who knows what to do and um don't just sit there bleeding going oh i've got, I've got to, to keep going I've got to yeah it. yeah which then it just ends up leading to a worse injury and you know and then you're out for a lot longer make it happen yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. get out there and do something about it um and then my fifth point there is uh, to do pretty pretty thorough race analysis. Mm. Again, that'll help in the short term and in the long term. So when you have a um, an A or a B race, so for example a half Ironman or an Ironman race, afterwards do a really thorough race analysis. Um, you know things like what happened pre-race, what happened at the start of the swim, if anything went wrong during the swim, what went wrong, if things went right. Don't just always look at the negatives; look at the positives as well. So right, good things, bad things. Um, and areas where you could improve on what sort of mental things were going on during the day that you could perhaps think to work on. If you don't get that down within the first sort of two or three days after the race, some of the things will start to filter out. Um, so just do a really thorough race analysis, especially with Ironman, um, what you ate. Um, if you can, put down pacing notes, like uh, if you take splits, get them down on paper as soon as you can. But I think nutrition's a really key thing to write down what you ate. Uh, it's really, yeah, I find that it's really true because I find, also make sure it's written down. So <laughs> don't just talk to your coach, you better make sure it's written down because I know after, I think it was my second Ironman, I had to, maybe you gave me one to write down and I, I had to write down a lot of information and you take away all these experiences you have from the race and then you kind of forget about a lot of it. You remember maybe two or three key things that you think are really important from here forward. And then when I went into my next race, I remember just looking back at it and thinking, ah, oh, there's lots of stuff I'd forgotten that I'd learned from that race yep. that I would have just forgotten. And if I hadn't have done that report, um, that was valuable information that you know wouldn't have had. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, good. There we go. So those are your... One, five two, three, tips on communicating with your coach. Communicating with your coach. Okay, now website, website of, of the week. week. Like we should be doing boxing. That's sensation. <laughs> oh. Let's get ready. Well, he should be doing boxing. <laughs> so uh, we got an email from David Head actually, and he uh, just said to us, sent us through a link to this website. We're getting lots of kind of website of wee weeks from you guys, which is great. And uh, David sent us through uh, com. Now, um, it seems to be really does focus on the beginner athlete. Yeah, fantastic. Um, there's there's plenty of information Lots on this. Of content, Some yeah. of it you have to join up to to get at, um, yeah. but you can keep training log. There's I think there's coaches on there. There's beginner training programs, yeah. and lots of those things that we talked about. Um, instead of perhaps asking a coach, you can just ask a forum. Lots of really yeah. basic questions. No, they, they did kick us off the forum. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So <laughs> we're not evil. <laughs> that's the thing. If you haven't got a coach, you go to places like this. Uh, you know, Gordo's forums is another one where you can ask people questions and. Uh, you don't really know who's giving the advice, so you've got no. to take some of it with a, with yeah. a grain of salt. Um, but there is some really some really basic qu uh, information on there. Um, so as the website states, it is beginnertriathlete.com. Yeah, and it is really focused for the beginner. So mm. yeah, if you're kind of new to it and you're kind of just you're trying to scan, because I, I imagine when you're new, you're just trying to get any information off the net, and this is a good site to go to. Yeah. So there so, you go. Thank you very much to Dave Head for yeah, that. And yeah, uh, yeah. keep on, keep those coming, those websites of the week. We've got a few lined up for the next few weeks. Yeah, but keep them um, coming, the more the merrier. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do this for years. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, have, we got a, have we got a catchphrase for Coach's Corner? I don't think we've really built it up too much. Well, Coach's Corner. Yeah, we'll work on there it. There we go. <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't got too much in Coach's Corner. I kind of tie the high five in with Coach's Corner this week. Um, really what I wanted to go over was uh, just part three of, of sort of planning your season. Um, so really just summing up a few things from last week. Um, if you remember, I was sort of talking about dividing your weeks up so you have uh, sort of into four week, four week blocks at a time, building up for three weeks and one week easier, um, and so on and so on. Um, but I didn't really talk about what to actually do during each period, so I thought I'd just talk about this very briefly. Um, 
I did talk about a 16 to 20 week build up to, to Ironman um, where you're so specific doing swim, bike, run um, an emphasis and that doesn't really mean, um, hopefully I didn't send out the wrong message that uh, you start your training 16 to 20 weeks out from <laughs> Ironman. Um, you really want to aim to be coming into that uh, in reasonably good Oh, the phone, the phone is phone. ringing. Stop the phone. I should have uh, forgot to turn my phone off this the week. phone. See, we know we, I do some should, training courses. And we should we training do some, That's uh, press-ups, Should mate. we do a live it's, interview with whoever's yeah, on my phone? There we go. Get rid of press-ups. That's a shocker, mate. It Where's the professionalism, you know? <laughs> um, We're moving up in the world and you get the phone on. <laughs> so, right, back to where I was. Uh, you shut up. Focus. <laughs> focus. 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 Concentrate. So yeah, so when you get to that 16 to 20 weeks out, you, I mean, I'm not saying you should be in uh, super shape, but uh, I sort of took, as Bevan reaches <laughs> over to turn his phone off, I might even turn call him, phone off. Um, you should be in pretty good shape, and I sort of talked about perhaps doing a bike block before you start your, your main build up. Um, but that first phase of training when you start your main build uh, really should be focused on uh, just building up your base mileage and your strength. Uh, so I think it's important that you still do have a little bit of element of speed in there somewhere. Don't just go out and ride um, for kilometres and miles every day at a very low intensity. It was interesting what Mark Allen said about speed. Remember in that interview he was saying how we do need to do speed as much as we are a slow kind of athlete overall um, mm. endurance that we, our body still needs to know what it's like to have speed in our training. And, and so then when you're racing Ironman you're at that pace and yeah. it doesn't feel like you're going that hard. Mm. So yes while that sort of sort of 16 to, to 8 weeks out the emphasis is on speed and strength uh, I still would encourage people to have uh, a little bit of speed in there. Yep. Doing uh, the odd time trial just doing a little bit of fart leg work and your, your, your bike sessions some short intervals um, definitely want to do that but the emphasis should be on getting as long as possible with the the intention that around about 7 to 12 weeks out that's really where you're looking to be doing your peak volume that's where you sort of insert those big weeks uh, big weekend training and so on um, also encourage people to do some strength work in this phase uh, I'm a really big believer in doing hill work um, yep. both hill reps Love and running hills. and cycling uh, we've got a fantastic loop up here which I get a lot of my athletes doing is uh, what we call a Mount Pleasant hill rep yep. where you bike up a, a hill not particularly steep uh, it's probably only about 10% maximum That's solid. Um, just a pretty 8-10% up Mount Pleasant it's about a 15-20 to 20 minute climb depending on how fast you are and then you have about a 7-10 to 10 minute run to the top and you just go up and down the hill 3 times yep. 3 to 4 times and uh, athletes rave about it they get a bit intimidated when I first tell them to do it mm. but when they come back they're just amazed at the amount of strength you get from just going uphill and then getting off the bike and running straight uphill again yep. so definitely uh, I know you guys in Florida probably <laughs> struggle to do this um, but uh but definitely try to include plenty of hills uh, in your sort of initial phase. If you are, if you are living in a flat area, um, just try to improvise. You know, you can do some strength work on the wind trainer. Would you do hill work on a treadmill? Uh, a running, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what you've got to improvise. The other alternative is you could, if you've got a big stadium, um, you can do some stair work. Stair work yeah. uh, I just think you've got to avoid just running flat all the time. Yeah. Um, so I know we've got a stadium here, QE2, and we do a lot of up and down the stairs. And again, it's a... Which most places have a stadium. Yeah, yeah. and it emphasises some good things, emphasises lifting your knees, uh, good strong push-off. Uh, so do incline, try to conclude as much hill, not as much hills, but hills yeah. during your sessions. So that's really what I'd be uh, focusing on sort of in that initial period. And then when you're sort of in the two to eight weeks out, um, try to make your training a bit more race specific. You still need to keep your volume up. Um, you know, it doesn't mean you drop your long bike and your long run off. Um, mm, that's what, that was the mistake I made when I first started out was that I thought two weeks out, yeah, I stop. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember I, I basically did stop. I did like half an hour a day, but I really did stop. And then you know, I remember when I started using a coach and it was like, oh, you've got to keep going. <laughs> I thought Taper was like, yeah, you're finished. <laughs> so so Bevan, Bevan's learned. Um, Valuable lesson. Once you get into that period, yeah, try to make things a bit more race specific. You still need to keep that volume up there, but try to have some uh, you know, Ironman specific bike rides where you're doing plenty of intensity at Ironman and just above Ironman pace. Um, and make sure you include some, say, half Ironman simulations or sort of similar sort of bike run simulations and uh, also some time trials. So, so do, do work above Ironman pace. Again, you don't want to just get stuck doing Ironman pace work. Um, I'm saying this uh, probably more directed at the 
you know, a little more experienced athletes. Yep. If it's your first Ironman, um, most of your build-up should really just be focused on getting as fit as possible. Don't worry too much about the speed aspect. And one thing as well is that once you get into that type of period, you still have work to do and don't just, you know, you, that, that mistake I made, you kind of start to think, oh, I'm on a taper period, it's all a bit easier right now. And, you know, you can really lose focus then and you can actually, I'm sure it's not going to affect the race too much, but stay focused that, okay, even I've still got a job to do over these last two weeks and I'm yep. going to really focus on my key sessions and all these sessions to make sure I get the most out of it. So that come race day, I'm spot on. I know when I did totally. Hawaii, I probably did it a little bit too easy and yep. it may have hurt me in the race a little bit. So yeah, definitely just remain focused. I know tape is the time we kind of look forward to, but at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the taper period is, is generally about two weeks, two weeks or so, um, and it just slowly ramps down, sort of day by day. Um, we're gonna, I'm gonna include that as a specific topics uh, another time. Yeah. So I'm not gonna go into detail on what to do in your taper now. But uh, if you have got a race coming up, just just <laughs> wind it down. Uh, make sure that last week is uh, you're still training every day. Um, some days two sessions a day, yeah. but just uh, wind the volume down. And one thing I will say is what I get athletes to do is the day if the race is a Saturday race, you'd take Thursday completely off and then do a little bit of training on Friday. Yeah. In my experience, uh, taking the day off before the race can leave you a little bit lethargic on race day. Yeah. Uh, so do do a little bit the day before, but. Uh, yeah, so just during that sort of two to eight week period, try to keep it uh, specific, doing some uh, Ironman simulation sessions, some half Ironman simulation sessions, and a little bit more speed work. You don't need to go crazy doing like 400s at the track or anything like yeah. that, um, but uh, do include a little bit of uh, higher intensity work. Mm. So that is Coach's, Coach's Corner. Corner. Beautiful. Okay, we're going to put some music to that one next week. That's my, <laughs> that's my, that's my key session for the next week. <laughs> So we've been getting lots of email questions from you guys, and which is great, and we just keep. Oh, coming hold through. on, hold on. What, what, oh. Are we going to have an introduction to this? You know, oh, do we need like a title? Okay, um, questions and <laughs> we questions we, and answers. We tend to always go up and down. <laughs> <laughs> we, need, we need, yeah, we'll work on that. That's our, we'll that's our another key session for next week. Um, oh, you guys are going to be so excited about next week's show. I'm going to have a big blast on that one. Um, but we're getting lots and lots of email questions, and it's really great and really specific stuff. So keep them coming through. We've got Nick from uh, New Jersey in the US of A, and um, he said a really great question through this week about what does it mean to be a pro athlete? Mm. And, uh, yeah, your thoughts? Um, okay, so, the, I mean, there's a few different criteria here, um, and it kind of depends on where you live in the world. So... If you're an American, um, you do need to get a pro license. And there's uh, criteria on the uh, USA Triathlon website on what you have to do to meet the uh, pro standing and you have to apply for a pro license. Basically, from my understanding there, you really have to be finishing with an 8% of the winner at a, uh, a race that has more than a $5,000 prize purse. Uh, so at an Ironman race, that's actually a bit of a challenge. Yeah, because, that's um, really hard. At, at not, not, you know... Uh, say somebody goes 8.20 to win an Ironman, 8 hours, 20 minutes, 8% of that is uh, would take it up 40 minutes, so it's 9 hours, so you've got to break 9 hours. Most Ironmans around the world, that will probably get you in the top 10. So that's a pretty strict, uh, pretty pretty tough criteria mm. there. It also is 8% at half Ironman and I think at Olymp Olympic distance as well. As you come down distance, it does become easier. So in America, if you turn pro, does it mean you have to, can only be pro on the one thing? So if I turn pro as well, an Olympic size, do, does it mean that it's an Ironman? Uh, you see, my, my thoughts here is that I think that while they say on the website they're very strict on this, I don't actually know how strict they are because uh, when we go to Ironman races, we see plenty of pro guys who've got no hope in hell of breaking nine hours. Mm. Um, so where the hell have they got and their license from? I recall once in New Zealand, a guy I was sitting next to at the uh, carburetting mill, he was, a, he was an American guy and he was saying that he had to be a pro. He raced as a pro and he only did like nine and a half. Yeah. And he said that because he'd done so well in certain races, he actually had to enter as a pro. Oh. So, yeah, it's, it's confusing. So maybe if anyone knows more, maybe they want to... So that's what happens in the States, but then it's a completely different ballpark in New Zealand, whereas yeah. uh, we don't need anything. We just say, yeah, I want to race as a pro. So, yeah. so Bevan can go and race pro at Ironman New Zealand. Um, sometimes you do need to get a letter from your national body, but Triathlon New Zealand, our national body, doesn't have any set criteria. And you, uh, I mean, I've had no problem in the past. You say oh, I'm racing pro can I have a letter yeah. and they give you one um, and um, Bevan's one is age group at, at Taupo so it's, it sort of seems a natural progression uh, and it, it, I guess it varies from, from country to country but in my experience I mean I've seen so many guys that are calling themselves pro um, that are nowhere near nine hours no. um, and they are Americans so I just wonder whether they're that strict on this criteria it was obviously not yeah mm -hmm. um, 
So, and what, what do you sort of, what's your vision? Yeah, so the next question was asking, what does it mean for me to be a pro? And for me, um, being a pro is a certain level. So um, I don't care, I don't, uh, the income wise, I don't want to be a guy who travels around the world and does a few races and does well and, and earns 30 grand a year doing it. Yeah. You know, for me, I love my sport, but I've also got life and all that back here. So for me, my being a pro is about, well, I've done a 919, I've won my age group, if I'm going to keep at the sport, there needs to be a new challenge. And a new challenge for me is around nine hours, which if I can achieve that means, well, I must be racing as a pro. Mm. And hey, if I can make some money on the side while I'm doing it, that's pretty cool. But it's more that I have an, I make income other ways. And um, and if I can make an income through my sports suite, I'll definitely take the money. But it's mm. more, it's a certain standard within myself. Like to me, a goal should be a thing that makes you make the best decisions mm. as an athlete. And so... For me, for me to have to be swimming seven times a week right now, which I've never done and I've never been that motivated to do, but now I am because I want to be a pro. And to do yeah. that, I have to do that work. And so now I've got this new level of kind of goal that is – so for me, it's more about a mental place within myself. Yeah, and you're uh, challenging yourself. Yeah. I think one um, – I think pro – the word pro is a bit misleading. And I think you, uh, the USA Triathlon point that out. I think elite is a much um, – probably a better word to yeah, use yeah. because I still race pro – and there's no way in hell that I'm a professional athlete. There's more age groupers that do twice as much training yeah. as I do. I mean, I, in my Hawaii build, I was doing sort of 15 up to 20 hours. That was my maximum training week. Yep. And yet I was racing pro. Um, so I would much rather the term elite be used. Yeah, which is a good point. Because um, professional to me means that you're making a living out of it. And uh, there's only really a handful of athletes that are seriously making a living. There's a lot of lifestyle athletes. And yeah. that's probably what I was when I was sort of... I, I say when people say to you, "Did you race professionally?" I say, oh, "I raced semi-professionally because yeah. I had about two, three years where I was uh, living in Europe, uh, living in Asia, and I was racing. I was making money, um, but there was no way I'd." Yeah, uh, it's not uh, like you're sitting up your it, life. It was uh, covering my bills, um, and I was week. racing short course, and I was doing coaching on the side to to sort of supplement my income. Um, but there was no way I would have been able to hold down like a mortgage or anything like that. I was sort of. Uh, Going from week to week, which is which is kind of like if you're a young guy and you want to make it to that next level, is kind of what you need to do. Like I know John, a lot of the mm. guys he raced with, like Craig Alexander and Bevan yep. Doherty, have gone on to become, you know, the big, big, big names in the game. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, like depends on what you want to be. And I know like class and you know class is traveling around the world doing really well at racing. And I, I believe in maybe three or four years from now, class could be one of the world's best Ironmen. Because I think the difference here is, <clears throat> class to me is a professional. Yeah. yeah. He comes here and. He's got to make Every, money. Training is number one priority. Everything else comes second. Yeah. Um, and so Bevan at the moment is is going down a path where he's hitting that way, but he's still working. He's still mm, got a number family. of other interests, family. Yeah. And um, so I would say you, you're more interested in racing elite. Yeah. You're not really ra- interested yeah. in being a professional. And, so, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to make my income from it because um, – I just yeah, it's too stressful. Impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, with the Try Dubai team, um, we we talked about the security that brings. If you look at um, you know any any of these races, you do three Ironmans in a year, you win three races, yep. you'll make thirty thousand US unless you've got obviously a lot of sponsors. Yep. It's not even going to cover your bloody airfares. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'll cover your airfares, but not much else. Are you flying with me? <laughs> yeah, I fly first class. <laughs> so it's a very difficult sport. In uh, short course racing, it's much easier to make a living because you can race, you know, two it's races awesome, a month, yeah. three races a month sometimes. But Ironman, I mean, uh, Chris McDonald, he's a guy from Christchurch. Yep, yep. Really good athlete, good, strong guy. Um, he's been getting a lot of sort of fourth, fifth, sixth places. Yep. But man, you know, he wouldn't be making a lot off that. You have, uh, yeah. If he does that four or five times a year. Um, yeah. So it's a hard way to make a living. You've got to call in a few favours from people and you've got to have some good backers. Yeah, and I think it, it depends on the person as well. You know, like if you're young and you, you know, like it's pretty cool. Like imagine Chris is having an awesome oh, life yeah. right now. You know, it's like, great. It's, and like for you, you no know. No regrets. Yeah, what I definitely. Did. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, so I think John's point about it being an elite is probably a better name of calling it. And for, definitely for me, it's more about just a level within myself that I love doing the thing that makes me make the right decision in every moment. And at this moment in time, turning to a pro or entering as a pro at least and trying to do a sub nine mm. is uh, the ultimate for me. And I think for guys that is a standard. Like if, if you're not, um, if you can't realistically go sub nine, I mean, I think you can go sub nine yeah. um, or be around about that standard. Why, why, do you, why race pro, you know? I mean, um, mm. yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, I mean, there's a good example. There's a guy in New Zealand called Greg Frayne, um, 
and he's finished in the top 10 in New Zealand a number of times. He even finished, I think, about fifth this year in the shortened version. Yeah. And he's uh, about 43 or so. Yeah. Uh, Ex-Olympic uh, cyclist. Yeah, great cyclist. Really strong biker. And nice uh, and people say to him, why don't you enter age group? You win your age group. And he says, well, I don't really care too much. Yeah. <laughs> I can come along. Just, I, I do this Taupo race every year. And if I finish in... Um, you know, seventh or eighth place, I get a bit of prize money. So yeah. that's sort of his aspect, uh, sort of outlook on it. So that, hopefully that's given you a bit of an insight on what we term as being a pro athlete. Um, I think there's different levels, and I think people like Klaus, um, Gordo take it to a different level. I think they yeah. are very, very professional in what they do. Um, they're, you know, they finish a session, they'll be religiously stretching, yep. they'll make the best possible nutritional choices they can, yep. and everything in their life revolves around being the best athlete that they possibly can be. And so it means sacrificing income, it means sacrificing sometimes relationships. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you've just got to be treat yourself as number one. Mm. And I think as well, as just lastly on this, is that maybe maybe I'll get to the nine hours and then you decide you know, what's the next step and maybe the next step is to maybe try to get to it at 8.45, you know, and so it's a step, it's a ladder that you kind of, yeah. the journey of your Ironman life basically, yeah. you know, and so, and while I'm still young and I can still be improving, who knows where that will take me, you know, maybe in five years from now, I would want to be at that level, but, uh, you know, for now it's definitely about, I don't but, I mean, that's the thing. You've got, to, you've, 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 got to, you've, you've got to live. I mean, if you, if you turn fully pro now, yeah. um, you'd have no income. Yeah. And uh, it's a tough way. So. Yeah. Yeah. so, yeah, so that was a great question, Nick. Yeah, thank you. Um, also, we had oh, a great, another great question or great comment more from Robbie oh, Haywood let's get from fired Brisbane, up Australia. Yeah. <laughs> now, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, the slots and uh, how it seems a little bit unfair that. You know, some people who have never done Ironman, oh, there's just so many slots. And um, I'm just going to so, so many slots coming via the lottery. Um, yeah, and, and lottery. so many slots coming via well, 70.3. Um, and the, the sort of the, the point we were trying to make is you can now go and race Hawaii with, with not having done an Ironman. And Robbie Robbie Hayward from uh, Brisbane, he. Um, g'day, mate. G'day, mate. And uh, <laughs> he was talking of an athlete he knows who's done 20 Ironman in various countries. And this guy's passionate about the sport. And that. Um, he's never going to qualify because he's just not that of that athletic ability. Okay, mm-hmm. so the guy's given his life to the sport basically, but he's never going to qualify just because he's just not of that level, and he finds it tough to really swallow because there's an article on Ironman.com, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. I don't even know if it's worthy of a link. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, John was talking. John was angry, and uh, and it's an article from this guy who has basically won a lottery slot. He's never even heard of Blumen. He lives five k's up the road from Paula Newby Fraser, and uh, never even heard of the woman. He's never ran like five k's once or something like that. Like the guy's got basic athletic ability. He's never done the race, and he's won this race. And they're making this big spiel out of him. He's won the a lottery slot to go and do Hawaii. Yeah, and uh, and so Robbie got pretty angry as well, like John, <laughs> and because uh, it's, it's kind of a slap in the face, isn't it? I think it's I think it's a shocker. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, one, I don't think it's right that he. Um, that he got a slot. I mean, I'm not criticizing the guy himself. Yeah, well, we don't know the guy. I'm criticizing the the, the system. Yeah. And uh, but secondly, then Iron Man are going promoting this. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. you see? I mean, what's He's like a hero that? in your eyes. Um, I'm all for them promoting people who've spent. You know, I'd much rather see an article on a guy who has done 20 Ironman yeah. races and he's won a slot. He could never qualify, and he's yeah. won a slot, and now he's going to realize his dream. I'm all for that. Um, but yeah, it's really Robbie it's, had some points. Had a nerve. Yeah, and Robbie's got these are some criteria. Robbie thought he thought that you have to have at least competed in one Ironman before you can even enter the lottery. Yeah, totally um, agree. And but one thing they do have is that once you win the slot, you have to actually compete in a half before you can oh, do, do it. You? Yeah. yeah. So okay. so there is a little bit of an aspect there. Um, you can't have won a slot before. Uh, more memories. So yeah, they're saying which I kind of like this idea is that the more races you've done, the kind of higher rank maybe they have a point system for the slots, which I kind of think is cool. I think it's fantastic as well. You know, um, maybe even if they had a rule like if you've done ten, you get a slot. Yeah, well, you know yeah. that can't hurt. Yeah, I mean, you have you obviously you have to be a little bit careful of, of allowing too many, or maybe have, yeah, like you said, having a, a grading system. But it's so. not about time because this guy here isn't going to do a fast Ironman, is he? Yeah, but the, there's only so many slots, and there's probably lots of people yeah. who've done ten Ironmans. Oh, if, if all of them, if all of them put their hand up and say, "I want to do it this year," they might go shit. Yeah, but you maybe um, only get one opportunity with that yeah. 10 slot. And uh, I, I like his point that um, once you've won a lottery slot, you can't perhaps reapply. Yep. Um, bugger it, you know. You, your dream is to race Hawaii. You go over there and race it. And and, uh, and if you want to get back there, then... Um, yeah, and he's also saying maybe bring the numbers down to about 200 yeah. or from 200. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and also just lose the bias from the American. Yeah, these are Aussies. He's coming from the same angle as us. Why, why should the Americans? What right do they have? To... And I think it really hurts the sport because it's an international sport now, isn't it? It is. You know, yeah. it, it really is, and that. You know, I can understand maybe it makes them more money and all the rest of it, but I think if we're going to be an international sport, it needs to be the same rules for everyone. Exactly. If we're going to be a true international sport. Yeah, the lottery, if you want to enter the lottery, it's the same wherever you live. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a lottery. And, and it may even end up, that the, the, because just because of a numbers game, that Americans get even more slots in because yeah. so many Americans yeah. would apply for it. So, yeah, um, yeah let's... Uh, we gave WTC a pat on the back and forth, yeah, and now we're yeah, just yeah, ripping into them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so if you've got any thoughts or comments, maybe someone who actually maybe wants to kind of give us a word on well, the positive sides of it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there are some. If somebody wants Not to many. set up a, uh, <laughs> a petition out there, yeah. um, we'd be happy to promote it. It's, it's, it's actually interesting. I was watching the news just before I came here, and uh, it kind of relates to this. Is, uh, obviously, the World Cup, the Football World Cup is coming up, soccer, other people call it, and... Um, there's a real problem with uh, the English trying to get seats at their, their games. Yep. And uh, the football, uh, part of the Football Association Supporters Club was if you went and supported the team at some of the really bizarre small games, small games like they played Azerbaijan, I think they actually had some sort of ranking system. So if you oh, supported so you the team, for, for if you were a hardcore supporter, you had more chance. Of, they had a lottery system as well of getting tickets. Yep. Um, so you, if you were a hardcore supporter, you had a better chance of getting a ticket than, say, somebody who just wanted to go for the glory, for the World Cup glory matches. Yeah, that's um, awesome. And so I thought that was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, good points, Robbie. Um, we got, uh, we got an email. Last week we talked about Ray Britt. And uh, his training diary here online, he actually emailed us back and just saying thanks for kind of mentioning him, which is quite oh, nice. very nice. Yeah, it's kind of nice that the community's getting out there. And he just gave us a link to an article he wrote on competitor.com, and it's quite a good article. It's quite thorough, and it's really just about doing your first race and all the things you need to include. So we're going to put a link to that on the show notes for this week. Also, Joe replied from last week. Um, she was the uh, Aussie girl, wasn't she? Yeah, I'm not um, sure if she's the Aussie or Kiwi or not. Aussie she's lived in New Zealand for 10 years. Oh, that's right. She just wrote that before. She used to live in Wellington, I think. Yeah. Um, and she did uh, New Zealand. She did West and Australia. you know what, no, mate? You're did. a legend. That's what I have to say because your advice seems to... You, you picked it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she's just writing back, thank you for, for the advice that we gave her. And uh, she agrees that she does probably want to focus a bit more on her running and do the things that get out of her comfort zone a little bit. She should be charging more. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so she's from down our neck of the woods as well. Lived in New Zealand for 10 years. Um, she obviously sounds like she's trained in Wellington with a guy I know, Kevin Nicholson, and another girl in Wellington, Vicky Jones. She's a phenomenal athlete. She uh, did, I think, her first Ironman last year in Taupo, won her age group at Ironman New Zealand, then went to Hawaii and won her age group over there. So well, that that's was, cool because uh, winning Hawaii age group is a hard thing, eh? Oh, Bloody you hell, know, yeah. Like, it's not easy to win your age group in Hawaii. I was, uh, I mean, I had a bad race last year, and, and uh, but I mean, to get in the, like, last year, the times were quick, but, like, the fifth, until you got to the 50 year age group, um, unless you went under nine hours, you didn't get on the podium. Wow. So, 45 awesome, to 49 year old guys all going sub nine. Mm. Joe um, actually asked me questions about the more th- kind of detailed stuff about the Ironman talk, and asked if we could put the chapters back into it. Now, you may recall if you've been listening to this for a while that. When we first started out, we had in the bottom left-hand corner of your iTunes, we had chapter headings so that you could actually skip parts of the show. Now, it was really cool, and um, I really liked the idea, but we seem to have problems with people with Windows Media Player um, or then converting it onto the MP3 player. So Because I imagine a lot of people out there listen to this when you're riding your bike right now. So just control yourself. <laughs> Watch out for that car. And um, boom! <laughs> but, um, and she's asking if we can do that again. Now... I would love to do that again, but I'm just kind of concerned that in doing that, we'll, people won't be able to do it. So we really need to get an idea from you guys out there if, um, I don't know, if we can get back into that way of doing it. Like, we wouldn't didn't, want to put two shows up. did you read somewhere that, like, 80% of people still do MP3 or something like that? No, I read I read that most people use iTunes, and I was kind of considering, well, bugger the people with MP3s. Yeah. And so, and just go back to the old format. But, because it's a much better quality sound that we deliver on here, and plus you can do all the other good stuff. Um, but in saying that, I don't want to really shut anyone off. So can can you guys just give us some feedback on that? It would be really cool for us to have a better understanding. Also, um, Peter Cousins from Australia as well, he also said that, can I change the way I do the title so that when you're using your iPod, you can see which episode it is because I always go Iron Man Talk episodes and you can't oh, yeah. see it on the screen. So I've done that for you this time, Pete. So uh, <laughs> hopefully happy with that. Um, I think that's about it for the email questions and answers. Um, yeah. If you do have any questions that you want to... Put our way. Can you, um, you can email us on Ironman at Gmail. 
Yeah, I can't believe you got it wrong again. <laughs> I was thinking of some kid at right. <laughs> it's Iron Man Talk. Um, what is it? At gmail.com. Gmail. Yeah. yeah. Muppet. I'm going to write it down next week. <laughs> so, yeah, email us with any of your questions and we'll do our best to answer any of them. Um, you've, got, you've noticed some changes to the website over the last few weeks. We're trying to make our website really content driven and you're going to notice that over, it's going to take a little bit of time, but over each week we're going to start doing things like having pages up of the top fives and stuff like that. Um, two reasons. A, we really want it to be a place that you guys can come back to all the time. And also we can make some money from it, so we must do that as well. <laughs> so, um, let's be honest. And, uh, and so, yeah, so check out the website over the next few weeks. We're going to try to get all the old information up there and also just add more information as we go along writing articles and stuff. And if anyone who does write articles out there about triathlon actually wants to get them up on our website, um, mm. feel free to email us and we'll, we're keen to put them up there. As far as we're concerned, we want this to be a really community thing and that everyone can contribute and make the most of Iron Man Talk. So, yeah. Yeah, so if you want to do that, feel free. Mm. Um, what do you got on for today, Matt? Well, I'm not obviously not going out biking this afternoon because no, you took me out in the out rain. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice and sunny out there, so I might get a bit of sunbathing maybe. Oh, nice. No, no, not too much on the plan this week. I've just got to keep getting organised. And John's been talking about doing the big rides because he's off to France mm. in a few weeks. And uh, I want to get in a couple of good five, six hour rides before France. I've we've done the route planning, and there's a couple yeah. of big days I want to do there. So, uh, so we'll be, we'll be tracking on Friday. Yeah, we're getting into those hills, some steep climbs. Yeah. Just hope like hell this weather starts improving. We had yeah. a shocking start to winter here. Oh, like a month of terrible weather but don't want to talk about the weather it's like living in england <laughs> tell you sorry to all you english yeah, listeners <laughs> but anyway that's us for this week um if you've got any questions or emails give us an email and, what's that uh, email address <laughs> it's bevan james no. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys get out there and have a good weekend train well see you later bye